Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. What better place is there than to be found faithful and about the master's business for every one of us. And as I've shared with you multiple times, the master's business in our lives, it doesn't matter whether you're driving a truck or driving nails, whether you're sitting at an office or you're babysitting children. The work of the master is what God has for you to do in this life. And are you faithful to do that and to do all of that? Do it as unto the Lord, whatever your hands find to do. Have you ever been assigned a job and worked really hard to accomplish the task? Maybe it was a paper you had to write. The assignment was clear, and you worked hard, did your best, and got the job done. Today, Pastor David will remind us that this is what the Lord wants us to do. He created us with a specific job to do. He gave each person all the tools they need to accomplish it. Now, he's looking for hard work, dedication, and a job well done. Can he depend on you? What will your grade be? Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Then Jesus Came. been a little crazy in a lot of lives and maybe some of your lives some stuff that I'm not even aware of at this point in time. It's interesting how days can go from ordinary to extraordinary real quick. We can look and see this is one day after another after another and our life just keeps on going one thing after another. Everything seems to be the same and then all of a sudden bam, a a day happens. And it might be an event in our life that's a, a negative thing or it might be a positive thing, but soon we find out that the ordinary day becomes extraordinary or extraordinary day. One of the things that we can see too is when we're living our lives and we're open to the Lord using us, Sometimes in the midst of our lives, without us even realizing it or recognizing the opportunity, the Lord can take those ordinary days and not only make them extraordinary days, but he can make them supernatural days that God would use a vessel like any of us for his glory, that the Lord would put in place before us, either someone that we can speak into their lives, we can be a word of encouragement, a word of blessing, the opportunity to be able to share the truth of God's word with someone, or for someone even unbeknownst to them, they come up and they speak blessing into our life. And suddenly we move from that ordinary day to really a supernatural day, because Jesus came because Jesus came on the scene and is beginning to work in our lives. We might be in a hospital bed. We might have someone that we've lost recently. We see these kinds of things, and every day, sometimes it seems to be ordinary, but then it can move to extraordinary 
But then when Jesus comes on the scene, it can become supernatural. As we've been going through the book of Luke, and we're in chapter 3 right now, if you've got your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 3. We've been talking here several weeks over the ministry of John the Baptist, and uh, not only the, the man John the Baptist, but the ministry of John the Baptist, and how that ministry was impacting change within the lives of the multitudes that were around him. For John the Baptist, I believe for him, uh, the kind of man that he was is not only filled with the Spirit of God, but empowered in, in such a way to be such a dynamic individual. He, he was like the prophets of old, that I believe that John, his ordinary days were extraordinary to our understanding, and actually supernatural if you really come to it. Because again, here was a man who was speaking forth the truth of God's word, and it was moving people's hearts to repentance, moving their hearts to repentance. He was making a change in their lives by speaking forth the truth of God's word in such a powerful way. We come now in chapter 3 down to verse 21, and if you've got your Bibles, I invite you to turn there and follow along with me. In verse 21, it says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. Here we have the ministry of John the Baptist, that voice of one that's crying in the wilderness, the one that was sent forth to prepare the way of Messiah. He's coming along, he's, he's baptizing, he's doing what he's called to do, and then Jesus came. Jesus came into the midst, and as we read here in Luke, it would appear to have been kind of the end of the day when all of the people were baptized, it says. It came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. It came to pass as though the day's work had pretty well finished. And again, for John the Baptist, probably a, if we can call it that, a, a normal day. He's been preaching the word of God. The multitudes have come. Many had come down to be baptized, a normal day. And when the people had been baptized, then Jesus came on the scene. Now we see some similar wording in the Gospel of Matthew. You can turn there if you want, but in Matthew chapter 3, down in verse 13, we read these words, then Jesus came from Galilee to John to the Jordan to be baptized by him. Again, John had been faithfully doing what the master had called him to do, and now the master has come on the scene. We find John being faithful to the call, and what better place is there than to be found faithful and about the master's business? For every one of us, and as I've shared with you multiple times, the master's business in our lives, it doesn't matter whether you're driving a truck or driving nails, whether you're sitting at an office or you're babysitting children. The work of the master is what God has for you to do in this life. And are you faithful to do that and to do all of that? Do it as unto the Lord, whatever your hands find to do. Wherever God has you, whatever post in life you've been positioned to take. Are you doing it for the glory and the honor of God? Being about the master's work. Jesus came now to John to be baptized. And again, continuing on a little bit more in Matthew, we see actually in Matthew's gospel a little bit more of the detail of this encounter of Jesus and John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 14, we read, and John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? 
But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then, (laughs) I like how Matthew puts it, and then he, speaking of John, and then John allowed him. John allowed Jesus to be baptized. That, just that concept in itself is kind of mind-blowing. If you remember a few weeks ago when we were speaking of John's ministry, John there as he's baptizing, remember the Pharisees and the Sadducees had come. And remember, John prevented them. He says, no, I'm not. You go and do works that show that there's repentance in your life. Again, not that the works of repentance were a work of salvation. No, it was a work because, again, salvation had come to their life. And just like you and I, we don't work to gain our salvation, but once we are saved, we are saved to be workmen of Christ. These Pharisees, these Sadducees had come down to be baptized because to them is just another religious ritual. They had seen the multitudes. They wanted to be a part. But John knew their hearts. The Lord, I believe, spoke to him through the Holy Spirit that their hearts were not right. And he prevented them from being baptized. And now he tries to prevent Jesus from being baptized. Interesting. Why did he prevent the Pharisees? Because they were unworthy. Why is he trying to prevent Jesus? Because he himself was unworthy. He saw that, man, I'm not worthy to do this. He's the one that John had told the multitudes, I'm not even worthy to be the lowest slave in his household to undo the sandals on his feet. But yet now he's coming to John to be baptized. But Jesus insisted, he says, permit it to be so now, for thus it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Why did Jesus come to fulfill all righteousness? Jesus came into this world to do the Father's work. But why did he, of all people, need to be baptized? Once again, we need to understand the significance of baptism. Baptism doesn't wash away our sin. Baptism signifies that a life that has already died to self in order that God himself would live through us. And I believe that as Jesus came to be baptized, there's, I could see at least four different reasons why Jesus would come and be baptized. Once again, the first one that I see is, uh, again, as an identity with the people that he came to save, just as he was also circumcised when he was eight years old to identify with the household of Israel. Here he comes also to be baptized, just as the multitudes were. The second thing that I see is this baptism was was a clear demonstration. It was a clear picture of the direction and the purpose of his life. He was going to be crucified. He was going to die. He was going to be buried and then rise again. And that's the very picture of baptism. I believe that the Bible is very clear that baptism is by full immersion. Because again, it symbolizes dying to self and rising to walk in that newness of life by full immersion, just as we would put someone completely into the ground. So again, it comes as that demonstration or a picture of what he's going to fulfill in his own life. The third thing, and I believe most important point, the reason he came is to signify clearly to all his own personal death to self in order that the plan of the Father might be fully accomplished in him. Well, what do you mean death to self? 
This is God in human flesh. Yes, but you need to understand. He was tempted in all things, just as you and I were. And so again, this baptism was symbolic, again, with everyone else. You know what? I'm dying to self in order that the Father would live through me. And then the fourth thing, and I believe an important thing, this was the beginning of his ministry. This was like an, an anointing time as he stepped on into ministry. It's only in Luke's record, if you want to go back to Luke chapter 3, it's only in Luke's record that we see here that Jesus prayed as he came out of the water. We read there in that verse, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. I need you to imagine, if you will, I need you to just kind of take yourself and imagine the situation, imagine the day, imagine the place. It had already been, again, I say for John, maybe an ordinary day, but I think for any of us, it would have been an extraordinary day, an awesome day. There as he was in the Jordan River, as he continued to proclaim this need for the people to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. God is sending his Messiah. We need to get our hearts, our lives ready for it. And as he proclaimed these words, this wild man from the wilderness there, people would come, their hearts broken because of the word that he proclaimed. This voice of an Old Testament prophet. Powerful stuff that was going on. A powerful day as people came to be baptized, hearts broken, hearts surrendered to the Lord, desiring God to move and work in their lives. And as the multitudes came, and as the multitudes listened, I believe first of all they may have come out of curiosity, and then they came out of conviction. And when they heard, I believe that their hearts were stirred to this repentance. And this was a work that was going on during this time, during this day, during this very hour in John's life and in the ministry of John. And then at this point in time, there came down into the water to be baptized the Son of God. Now that suddenly made a day that was extraordinary to really move toward the supernatural because now Jesus came. What would seem like a normal to John's, just a normal day's work, normal day's ministry, now Jesus come. And as John baptizes him, it says that the very heavens opened up. Now, we don't know for sure. It, it doesn't give it very clear for us. It doesn't, we, we don't know for sure whether or not it was a clear day or a cloudy day, but when it says that the heaven was open, to me, my understanding, just bear with me if you would, I believe that it was probably a cloudy day. And when Jesus was baptized, as he came out of that water, praying, communing with the Father, says that the heavens rolled back. The heavens opened up. We see clouds seem to kind of play a, a big part in the Lord's coming and going, both Old Testament and New Testament. We see it all through the Word of God. It seems to be this powerful visual experience. And if you can just imagine the, 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 the power of that is you're there, perhaps among the multitudes, and you see this man that you don't know who he is. Remember, this is just the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And so as he's going down, and as he goes down, not like the ones that had gone before him, not like when you went down and got baptized, no, but when this one goes down to get baptized, as he comes out of the water, suddenly you look up, and I believe that the clouds parted. 
we see this visual of the importance of clouds. The psalmist declares that our God rides upon the clouds. The psalmist declares that his strength is in the clouds. He says that clouds and darkness surround him. He also says that our God makes the clouds his chariot. Ezekiel tells us that the day is near, even the day of the Lord is near, and it will be a day of clouds. Daniel proclaims that in a vision he saw that one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. Jesus announces through the gospel records, he says that they'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with, with power and great glory. Paul assures us that the, that, that the Lord, when he returns for his church, he says that we're going to be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then John, in the book of Revelation, speaks of that return. He says, behold, he is coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him. Yeah, I believe it was a day of clouds myself, okay? And as the Lord entered into those waters on the Jordan River, you can imagine as he's coming out, praying, communing with the Father in preparation for that ministry before him. John and those around him would have seen literally the clouds being rolled back as a scroll, as the hymn writer says. As the heavens opened, Luke tells us in verse 22, he says, And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which says, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. How could you not be, not be overwhelmed by that? You're among the crowds. You see this man go down into the water. You see the heavens roll back. You see something coming and, and lighting upon this individual. You don't know what it is. And then all of a sudden there's a voice that comes from heaven, that I believe that probably everyone that was there at that point in time heard. He says, you are my beloved son, in you I'm well pleased. Whether you would have been John the Baptist or one of the multitudes that were around there that day, the very presence of Jesus was now on the scene. As he's baptized, the heavens are opened. The Holy Spirit of God coming down, descending upon him in the shape or in the appearance of a dove. And then on top of it all, the voice came from heaven. Here we see the clearest picture of the Trinity of God. God the Father speaking, God the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus, God the Son, Jesus, receiving that and standing there among with John the Baptist, there among the waters of the Jordan River. This voice from heaven was a confirmation of the Father's blessing, a confirmation of the Father's approval on the work and on the ministry of his Son. We see and hear in the life of Jesus only two other places where we have this voice of heaven coming down. The first one we found on the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember as Jesus takes with him Peter and James and John, and while they're up there, Jesus is transfigured, and there Moses and Elijah are standing and speaking with him again about his, uh, the coming of his suffering and the things that will be taking place. And remember, Peter, James, and John, they, they had fallen asleep. They, they woke up, they saw this thing, they were blown away, and Peter said, wow, this is awesome. Here's Jesus and, and Moses and Elijah. Let's make three tents. Let's set up a, let's set up a worship center right here. And you remember what happened? Suddenly there was clouds and the only thing that they could see then was Jesus. And a voice from heaven came and said, this is my beloved son, hear 
him. Hear him. Oh yeah, that would have got your attention, wouldn't it? You had this great plan, great ministry center right here on top of the mountain. And then a voice from heaven says, no, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. The third and the final time that we see this is actually during the, the final week of Jesus' life. He had, was there in Jerusalem. He had been ministering to the multitudes. And then he turned and began ministering and speaking to his disciples. And in the midst of that, he began praying. And in the midst of that prayer, he says, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Once again, confirmations from God the Father at the beginning, at the middle, and at the end of the ministry of his son. A father who was pleased with the work and with the life of his son. Luke tells us that at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, here where we're looking right now, he says that Jesus was about 30 years old. See what it says in verse 23. Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about the age of of 30 years, or about 30 years of age. And again, in that culture, for, for the Jewish culture, 30 years of age was the time that you would be, begin ministering. It was only at that point in time that you really came of age. And so here Jesus was at 30 years of age, beginning his ministry. And then Luke gives us then this genealogy of Jesus over these next several verses. You know, it's the stuff that, for the most part, we would easily slip by. Stuff that we feel maybe ought to be put in the appendix or the back end of the book. Stuff that, you know, I say, oh, oh, and by the way, this is his genealogy if you ever want to look at it. I want to I know, how many of you have ever done a, a genealogy of your family? Look, it doesn't mean you're Mormon if you do that. It's, it's okay to do that, okay? And I know that some of you are afraid to do a genealogy of your family because you're afraid of what you're going to find out. And I fully understand that. I've seen some of the Landry genealogy, and you don't have to go very far. Okay. Well, God put these things here for a purpose, not just a space filler. David Guzik, a Calvary Chapel pastor, and he writes commentaries also in different books of the Bible. I love what he says about this portion. He tells the story of a translator who felt that the genealogies really weren't that important. He writes that a Bible translator to a distant tribe saved the genealogies for last because he thought them the least important part of the Gospels. And when he finally finished them, last of all, the tribesmen were astonished. And they told the translator, you mean to tell us that this Jesus was a real person with real ancestors? We had no idea. You see, they'd been telling the stories without the base and the foundation of the reality of his life. And with the genealogies, it shows, wow, here is the bloodline of Christ. And we can see that God had a plan woven all through all of these generations. God working his plan. God working his purpose. Some of these names may be familiar to you. Some of these names you may have never heard before. But you know what? That's just like life. We look at our lives and you might think, man, I, I'm really nothing within the kingdom of God. You don't know, but that God is taking great record of your life and the impact of your life on the next generation and the generation after you.
hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you.